The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. The writing's on the wall. If your heart's neglected, stumble, you might fall, stumble, you might fall. I'm in a really strange mood today, which is always a good sign that it's going to be an interesting show. It just is. Because the things that are like troubling me, the things that I was upset about yesterday, I've now put into a different picture frame. And I'm seeing them very differently. And sometimes you have to expose the dark underbelly in order for enough people to wake up and counter the prevailing narrative, whatever that may be. And right now, the idea that they would release or that the House Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government has released new details about the FBI targeting Catholic churches is so, so out there that you you have to say, look at how all of the dark, awful things are coming to light. Now, my big concern, and I shared this last night with my husband who was saying like, well, there's no denying this. I mean, people are going to be outraged about this. And I said, not if they don't know. And that's why the media is so complicit in destroying what's left of this country because they won't report that. You know, the only place you'll read about it is if you're on a conservative website or if you're watching Fox uh, News or Fox Digital or, or, I don't know, maybe The Intercept. I don't know where you're going to hear about it. But I assure you that my Catholic friends and family who watch MSLSD and CNN only or the nightly ABC, CBS, whatever alphabet suit network, if that's all they watch, they won't even hear about this. They really won't which is like the ultimate ministry of propaganda going on in this country. From this limited production, it is apparent that the FBI, relying on information derived from at least one undercover employee, sought to use local religious organizations as, quote, new avenues for tripwire and source development, end quote. For example, in a section of January 23rd, 2023 domain perspective document entitled Opportunities, the document itself shows that its contents, including its proposal to develop sources in Catholic churches, were reviewed and approved by two senior intelligence analysts and even the local chief division council. Whistleblowers have advised that the FBI distributed this document to field offices across the country. So now we know that the FBI is relying on information that it got from at least one undercover employee. And and this proposed outreach plan of theirs included contacting so-called mainline Catholic parishes and the local diocesan, I guess that's how you say, diocesan leadership, meaning like the archbishops of a diocese, in addition to and then they redacted a word, 
engaged in outreach to the leadership of other Society of St. Pius X chapels in the FBI Richmond area of responsibility to sensitize these congregations to the warning signs of radicalization and to enlist their assistance to serve as suspicious activity tripwires. So in other words, what the FBI has decided in their infinite insanity is that, well, I'm just going to say it because nobody else on the air is going to say it. Well, maybe Dan Bongino might say it, but nobody else is, okay? That white Catholic males are the biggest danger to America. Therefore, go into Catholic churches and find out what they're saying, what they're doing. Can you imagine? Uh, You know, look, I have a lot of family that goes to Catholic churches. You know, certainly my family of origin, my entire Puerto Rican side of my family uh, we're Catholics, always are Catholics, will be Catholics until they are they get their last rites, okay? And the idea that they are, you know, going to spy on the other Catholics in their congregations is so incredibly duplicitous that I, I don't even know what to say, except that thank you, Lord, for peeling back the covers and showing us what's really going on. So now Jim Jordan has issued a subpoena. He wants director, the FBI director, Christopher Wray, to come in and tell them about religious targeting. This is outrageous. And it only reinforces the need for this committee to have all FBI material given to them. All the documents that show how the FBI sought to enlist Catholic houses of worship as potential. This is like, let me just put it to you this way. Because we've all seen the movies and we've all thought about this a dozen times or more. And if you ever watched any of the old James Cagney and the old mobster gangster movies or the old mob movies, there's always a priest, right? And the priest always hears the confection, a confection, confession of like the murderer, the killer, you know, the mob hitman. In most of these movies, there'll be a scene where that guy goes into the uh, confessional booth and some priest is forced to listen to like, and then we cut his head off and we threw his body in the East River, right? And the big question is always in the mind of the viewer. Like, will the priest turn him in or will the priest abide by his obligation to keep the subjects of a confessional between God and the church and, and the individual who's, who's saying it, Right. I've always wondered about that. I thought, like, you know, if a priest is listening to a confession and a guy walks into the confession booth or a gal or whatever and says, you know, I uh, routinely molest my teenage stepdaughter. Um, She's terrified, uh, but I really enjoy it, so I'm just going to keep doing it. What is the priest's obligation in that case, right? But I mean, don't tell me you haven't wondered wondered this. I don't care if you're Catholic or Jewish or Christian like I am. the thought has crossed your mind. Like, what do you do if you hear something that's so patently horrifying and you're kind of sworn to secrecy, right? You know, the problem for, in particular, the Catholic Church in recent decades has been that they were very closed-mouthed about the abuse that was going on on the part of the clergy towards congregants. 
you know, whether it was the molestation of young altar boys or whether it was the, you know, the, the, the fornication that was going on with women in the, in the uh, congregation. So, so this kind of stuff has been kind of out there and haunting, right? And now we have a pope who has decided, well, you know, we really have to change uh, some of the ways we uh, talk about things to people and we really have to be more accepting and more embracing and all this, uh, you know, whatever. And now I find out that, you know, there's a very good chance that if you happen to be Catholic and you're sitting in your church, like I only know a few Catholic churches' names in this area. I, I mean, I live down the block from San Isidro, which is a big Catholic church on uh, uh, Martin Luther King Boulevard and and just uh, west of Powerline Road. Big, big, big congregation, both a, an English congregation and a Hispanic, Spanish-speaking congregation. I know of uh, a handful of other Catholic churches. I have a relative down here who goes to a Catholic church in Tamarack or Sunrise. So, you know, do I need to call them up and say, you need to look over your shoulder because the person that's sitting next to you could be like a, a white supremacist terrorist and you've got to turn them into the FBI? What? 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 <laughs> I just, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around this uh, revelation that has come out through this subcommittee. First of all, the First Amendment guarantees certain things. And one of them is the freedom to practice religion without the government interfering. You see, nowhere in the Constitution does it say that government can dictate what religion you are. Nor does it say that government can stop you from practicing whatever religion you say you are. Which is why, since I moved to Florida, we constantly come up against these, you know, quandaries like, should we stop the Santeria people from, you know, killing chickens or whatever it is that they do? Or do we have to allow them to practice their religion? Of late, the big discussion has been, should we be stopping the practice of consuming um, you know, whatever they call magic mushrooms or, or some kind of uh, intoxicant that certain religious groups use to achieve a higher level of consciousness or whatever. I mean, I know Native Americans have done it, and I believe there are some other, um, you know, religions that claim that that's how they worship or whatever. So, like, do we interfere with that? No, we debate about it all the time. And as long as it doesn't break existing law, then we really don't come down very hard on people. I mean, <coughs> wringing a chicken's neck. Is not the same as, you know, hurting a person. So I'm just not sure. But I must admit that I was particularly disturbed when I read this article. Because I don't know, what does that mean? Are people in any church now going to be spying on one another? Are people in communities going to be spying on one another? And if so, are you okay with that? Because I'm not. I'm really not. One of the last safe places in the whole universe is your church or your synagogue. And now the FBI is in there watching what you say, and who you hang around with, and all the rest of it. Or at least, that's what I think. So what do we do about that? You know, what is the church going to say about it? I'd like to know if the Pope has an opinion 
about finding out that the FBI is now intimating that there are all these like, you know, dangerous people in Catholic churches that need to be watched, spied upon and exposed. You know, the Pope likes to talk about everything else, sexuality and and LGBTQ, LMNOP. He loves to talk about all that stuff, abortion, everything. What do you think about this, Pope? What do you think about this? And finally, in the category of very odd religious leaders, I have never been a fan of the Dalai Lama. And it's not because I have anything against Tibetan Buddhism. I don't. But it's because I don't, I'm never a fan of people who flee persecution and then claim to be the leader of those that are persecuted. I always think, you know, I'm more of the mind of a gladiator, right? If your people are being persecuted, you should be at the front of the line, right? <laughs> you should be leading them, not living in a foreign country, uh, in, in, in security and safety and traveling around the world and being like, you know, Mr. Uh, Dalai Lama, you know, I, I, so, so I'm a little bit perturbed by the Dalai Lama asking some kid to suck his tongue. I just think that's weird. It's just weird. But that of course was uh, part of the news today. <laughs> you just can't make this stuff up. Can you? I don't have to. All I got to do is open up the uh, internet and there it is. All right, let me take a break. Don't forget to download our app, our 850WFTL app, or visit our website, 850WFTL.com, so you can participate in winning a pair of tickets to Bites and Spirits, which is an evening of live music and food stations and just a good time, or win tickets to the ACS Fork Cancer. You can get a pair of tickets to the second annual Fork Cancer. It's a party with a purpose, and that's expiring soon. So get in, get over to the website, 850WFTL.com, or enter to win on your app. I'll take a quick break. I'll be right back. Wow. You, you just you just have to, you know, just be grateful for the handful of people that are willing to stand up and fight for what's right. I am. You know, I, I, I've learned that the majority of people don't want to rock the boat, you know, and I'm not a big fan of people who I think rock the boat simply to rock the boat. Like I understand that um, Mike Lindell was speaking at Club 47 um, this week or yesterday. I don't know when it was. I got a few emails from a number of people who told me that he was, um, you know, bad-mouthing uh, the governor and that he was just describing, you know, his experiences with the Republican National Committee. And now, while sometimes, you know, I, I just wish that, you know, somebody would, you know, buy a pillow and make the commercials go away. I have pillows, I have mattress toppers, I have towels, I have sheets, I have everything. I, bought, I, don't, I didn't buy the slippers, that's the only thing I didn't buy, right? So it's not that I'm not a fan of the product or of Mike Lindell, I am. I did commercials for him for a while. That's not the issue. The issue is, again, everybody in this audience knows that I am supporting Donald Trump. He is already a declared candidate. So is Nikki Haley. So is Vivak Ramaswamy. So is Asa Hutchinson. As far as I know, those are the four candidates who have announced that they are going to be running for the nomination on the Republican ticket to run for the presidency. And I made my selection, um, and, and, and I stand by that selection. I've also told everybody, on, I mean, I'm on the air. It's kind of hard to hide my opinions, you know. I'm on the record 
I do not want Ron DeSantis to leave the governor's mansion, and I do not want him to go into a premature presidency race, which I believe he will lose. I don't want that because I see down the line how he will be a, a great president. But right now, the messes that we're confronting all over the world require a very strong, steady hand, an experienced hand, a crazy person. How about that? I'm convinced that the only people who can lead this nation out of this insane position we find ourselves in is someone who will throw caution to the wind and just be committed to victories. No playing around. This is not time for politics, which is why I want a non-politician, which is why I've got a guy who's already shown me that he can do what has to be done. Why would I not support him? It's mind-boggling to me when people say, well, but he can't win, you know, he's, he's alienated too many uh, swing voters and he's alienated women and he's alienated Jews and he's alienated... The, that's all I have. I heard that all in 2016. I heard the same arguments. He can't win. People don't like him. You know, um, it, it, and all I could say to you now is I supported him then, even when it was really difficult to do so. But I'm doubling down this time because I know what is going to confront the next president of the United States. You know, we've got China saying they're ready for war, okay? <laughs> I don't need a president who isn't ready for war. We have a Russian oligarchy, which is literally uh, willing to kill as many of its own people in the pursuit of uh, gaining territory as Vladimir Putin is. I've got the little lunatic in North Korea saber rattling again. I've got China telling us not only are we ready for war, but Taiwan is ours and we will keep it. And that's why you think I'm going to, I'm going to trust the, the world and my country to someone who may or may not ultimately be a good president? No, I can't. I have to find someone who has already proven that they're not afraid of anything because these are times to be afraid. Let me tell you something. I have no desire to get into politics. I've had numerous opportunities. I've cowardly shirked away from them every time because you got to have... Uh, uh, of steel. You have got to be able, you know, I take a lot of abuse over what I do for a living. But at the end of the day, the only person that I'm responsible to, or the only entity that I'm responsible to, depending on what your faith is, is God. You know, so I don't, uh, I don't affect your life firsthand. My opinions may shape some of the way you look at things, may not, you know, but, but it, it, your life and death is not in my hands. It's just not. You become the president of the free world, the lives of millions of people, not just the 330 million that live in this country, but millions of people all over the world are contingent upon decisions that you make. I never... I never thought I was up to that task, not even to be one of 435, you know, weighing in on decisions in the Congress. 
I, I just, you know, hey, listen, I, um, I, I admire some of the people who do that, and I loathe some of the people who do that. I am uh, egocentric, but I'm not a narcissist. And I don't know that anybody can be a successful president who's not a narcissist. You got to believe that you're right all the time. And then you got to be willing to back it up with very tough decisions. Very, very tough decisions. You got to be able to withstand the attack when you have uh, another shooting and all of the usual suspects come screaming for you to do something. You know, you got to be able to say, this is not the purview of the president. I'm not eliminating any of the rights that are outlined in the Constitution. And I just don't know if there's anybody other than Donald Trump who has the audacity to do that. So this is not something that I'm doing and throwing off casually. Let me tell you something. There's no advantage in this for me. I'm not getting invitations to Mar-a-Lago. You know, I don't get uh, firsthand interviews with Donald Trump. And he's quite aware of my position. But I serve no purpose. You know, uh, he, he's got my vote. <laughs> he's got the, my audience's vote for the most part. And he is very, very circumspect when it comes to where am I going to get votes that I need to win? And I'm okay with that. You know, I don't have any desire. You guys who, who've been following my career for 33 years this year understand that I don't care. I don't, I don't need to know important people. I don't drop names. I don't have guests on. Only the ones that I truly, you know, feel add something to my program. Like I'll talk to the immigration experts because immigration's a big deal to me. But I don't need to talk to every congressman and every senator. I don't need to have a personal relationship with the White House press secretary. I, I just don't, it doesn't make me know, never mind. You know, I, I'm an opinion person. I have very strong opinions, very, 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 very strong opinions. And my job is to share them with you in an entertaining manner. Requires a little bit of humor sometimes. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled that I've had this opportunity for all these years. But, but do I desire to be a decision maker? No. No. And, and let me tell you something. Some of the ones who do desire that have absolutely no business in politics. What John Fetterman is doing in the Senate is beyond my comprehension. What Chuck Schumer is doing, what AOC is doing in Congress, this is beyond my comprehension. These are not people who are smart enough to lead. But there they are. And some of them have been there for decades, okay? You know, now I'm watching, you know, the entire world is looking at the president of the United States and trying to figure out, like, is he, uh, you know, is he serious when he intimates that he's going to run again? He'll be like 86 years old and in the White House. Not for nothing. I know 86-year-olds who are sharp as a tack. But they're still not ready. They're still not, uh, uh, you know, in the kind of condition where you should make them the president of the United States. And we've already seen how our president, Joe Biden, is losing it all the time. He really can't even stay on a teleprompter anymore. And yet, you know, 
the, there's a, the, you know, I saw the whole piece, and, and if you look on my daily download, I talk a lot about Gavin Newsom because he's the new face, the new Botox face of the Democrat Party, and they're already ch- talking him up, and he came to Florida, and he's he knows how to talk about the culture war issues. He is a doofus, okay? He has destroyed one of the most beautiful states in the union, one of the engines of our commerce. He's destroyed it. People are fleeing California like never before. I have two children in California, and I can tell you right now, not, not, not a place anybody's going to. And now with all these tech layoffs and all the studio cutbacks, because that's, you know, that's important. That's their, their economic uh, base. And, and yes, it's still a powerhouse. It still outranks even most countries. Um, but let me tell you something. They're struggling out there. High interest rates hurt them. Investors are nervous. Banks are failing. There's labor shortages galore. And even the weather isn't cooperating. They've had flooding throughout much of the winter. And the farming communities have been devastated. The ones in the Central Valley, hundreds of millions of dollars in crop losses. Thousands of Californians have been laid off in just the last few months. The cost of living is unbelievable, astronomical. And Governor Gavin Newsom revealed just this year, just in January, that they have a $22.5 billion deficit in the next fiscal year. That's pretty serious. California's tax structure (laughs) is killing people. Businesses are moving out. Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google, said they were cutting 12,000 workers. This is going to hurt. California, and this is the guy who want, who the Democrats think would be a great president. At least when we say, make America Florida again, I can understand that kind of campaign promise. But make America California again? No, no, that's too stupid. E- even Democrats are not that stupid. All right, um, let me take a break. It's just you and me today, kid, and I am so, um, I'm so full of the proverbial P and V that... Uh, you know, as I said before, when I'm in this kind of mood, even I want to listen to my show. So stay right where you are. I'll be right back. <clears throat> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's all I'm going to say is, oh, boy. We're looking at countries dropping the dollar. We're watching the Fed, you know, uh, literally launching the first stage of digital currency. My husband is so upset about all this that I can't even talk to him anymore <laughs> about it, you know, because he thinks that I have um, been too dismissive of his concerns. And now, of course, that my concern is growing. He just looks at me and says, but I told you, and we should have done this, and we should have done that. And, and there's really nothing you could do. I mean, if they decide that they're going to have a digital currency and social credit scores and all the rest of it, what what are you going to do? I mean, for a period of time, we were making sure that we had, you know, some cash. Forget about savings and forget about, you know, investments and, and even forget about property. We wanted to have some, like, you know, cash money. And, uh, you know, what good is it going to do you if you can't spend, like right now they've announced in, in, uh, 
you know, parts of the world that you cannot spend more than $1,000 in cash. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I find that really concerning. You know, if I have cash, I earned it. I'm not money laundering. And so when they tell me, oh, we have to control such things with the digital currency, it's for your good. All I can say is, no, 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 it's not for my good. If you want to stop money laundering, maybe you should look at the border. Maybe you should look at organized crime. But if you want to stop money laundering, don't look at me. I'm not laundering any money. Whatever I have, I earned. And whatever I earned is mine. I pay my taxes. You know, I just finished, uh, well, I, I filed a little earlier this year because I pay my taxes every quarter. You know, what I think I'm going to owe at the end of the year. I have taxes taken out of my salary. I pay uh, extra to the government every quarter. I send them a check because I know that at the end of the year, we're going to have a tax bill. And I prefer to send it to them every three months than at the end of the year having to send them some, you know, big check. That's just my my preference. You know, better to send them, a, a, you know, one or $2,000 every quarter than send them, you know, $10,000 at the end of the year. Just my preference, right? But so whatever I have retained after I've taken care of that, after I've paid my tithes at church, after I've donated to numerous charities, is mine. How dare you tell me that I can't spend anything over $1,000? Except, unless I use a digital currency, what is that? It's just, it's off the chart, the amount of control that they already have. And it's starting to tick off a lot of Democrats, which is a good thing, right? You know, I think, what is it? Three state legislators have dumped the Democratic Party. Now we got another one. Uh, state Representative Jeremy Lacombe in Louisiana decided to switch his party affiliation. So now the GOP has a larger majority rather in the Louisiana House, which had already become a supermajority. They had this Francis Thompson made it a supermajority when she switched parties, and now Jeremy Lacombe has made it a super, super majority. And, and it's happening all over the country. Now, that's not to say that it doesn't happen in the other direction. Occasionally, it does. But when you listen to why they switched, it's really fascinating. It's the old, uh, it's what I said, it's what Ronald Reagan said, it's what David Mamet said, it's what uh, David Horowitz said. We didn't leave any party. The party left us. You know, we're not going to stand by and allow this unrecognizable party, in the case of Democrats, who try to bully everybody into going along with things that we think are unconscionable. You know, the, the sexual mutilation of young children, like, I, I'm not going to, I'm sorry. You know, that is not going to get the uh, A-OK from me, and apparently not from a lot of... Uh, you know, Southern Democrats either. I'm just saying Southern because it's been North Carolina and Louisiana so far where you see the big shift. But for goodness sake, when the Democrat Party becomes the party of every fringe group 
and makes it seem like there's way more people in that group than there are, I get a, I get a little queasy, and apparently so do a lot of other people. You know, I keep looking for statistics, and it's very hard to find them. You know, if you look at the nightly news, and I always watch a, a local newscast, not always, but, you know, I try to watch a local newscast at least two or three times a week. You know, uh, just before we sit down to dinner, we'll put on a Miami Broward uh, news station because we live down here. And I'll see, you know, all the crime that's happening. Uh, I'll see what the representatives from this area are saying. And I'll see, I'll, I'll take the temperature of, of what's going on in my community, right? And believe me, my community, all communities, are actually pretty fed up with some of the insanity that's being tossed at us. Somebody sent me an email this morning, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, their subject line, and this is a person who I have to be cautious when I open their emails because sometimes they just, you know, they just tick me off, you know. Um, but this morning they sent me this email and the subject line was, we're at its, and then all those symbols that mean he wanted to curse but didn't, it's enough. And it's a story about people in Franklin, Tennessee. Now, Franklin is a Nashville suburb where the shooting happened by this uh, transgendered person, right? Well, apparently, it's a pretty conservative place, Franklin, Tennessee. It's about 30 miles outside of Nashville. And uh, for the last couple of years, they've had an LGBTQ pride festival, and they get the music and the food trucks and the craft vendors. And, you know, this year... They went for what is normally a pretty routine permit, you know, to have their event. And it was met with a lot of resistance. So what in the past has been a procedural formality is now a flashpoint. Why? Because people are really tired of everything being shoved down our throats. You know, here, here we have a 28-year-old shooter who kills six people at a private Christian school in Nashville and then says that, you know, they're a different gender than they are. And so people are saying, like, enough of this already. You know, let's stop trying to make, you know, someone deciding that they are a different gender than they were born into, uh, 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 like something to be bragging about or proud of. Even in the case of genuine gender dysphoria, that's not something that you celebrate. How difficult must it be to be a person who feels like they're trapped in the wrong body? And apparently it makes a lot of people very upset and angry. Angry enough to, to shoot little babies, six, you know, nine-year-olds. So, so people are, are, are starting to cling to their faith and to a biblical reading about sexual immorality and things like that, people are starting to see what I have seen all along and what Jason Whitlock has seen, and they practically bumped him off uh, the Tucker Carlson show the other night, that, that this just doesn't line up with what we believe, with, with God's word. It's one thing to accept what's going on in the world it's another thing to condone what's going on in the world. And while I accept all kinds of things, acceptance is not approval. 
And at some point, you get the pushback. You know, at some point, people want to hear a presidential candidate say, no way are we going to allow uh, any doctors to, uh, you know, give children, little children, hormone therapy or do surgeries on them uh, because they, they, they're too young to make those decisions. You know, I, look, the whole thing with the drag performances, this is the pushback. You know, it's not that that it's so dangerous to have drag performers, but why did you have to have them reading stories to little kids? That's the part that everybody said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, we, we never objected to drag performances, but now to have drag queens held up as heroes to, you know, kindergarten kids, why? What, what is that all about? How confusing is it for a teenager, never mind a, a five-year-old? So you push and you push and you push and you make the whole world think there's just tons of transgendered people wandering around in America today. There aren't. It's less than 1% of the population. But you would think it's like the most, the biggest civil rights issue of our time. And that people are pushing back. People are saying, no, you can't have your LGBTQ parade. Nope, sorry, enough. We've had enough. You never stop. You know, it starts out with like a, you know, a little bit of acceptance and then you want approval. And when we don't approve, you go crazy. And we're tired. We're tired of the crazy. We don't know how, how to stop it. We, maybe, it's, maybe it's gone too far. We don't know. But people are pushing back. And I get it. I really do. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro. And then we just continue until tomorrow morning with the South Florida Morning Show. I still have one segment left today, so stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So here we go. I get an email from somebody. I list, live and work in Italy. Hundred, uh, wait, wait a minute. 1,000 has been the max you can spend in cash for at least 10 years. Each election cycle, the Communist Party tries to lower it to $100 per cash transaction maximum. They always say it is to protect money laundering, but everyone knows it is to control taxation. If you claim you make $100,000 a year, but spend like you make $200,000 a year, they know. The IRS equivalents are in every town. They drive what looks like a police car and carry handguns on their belt. The Italians are terrified of their government, and now I am terrified of our government. I get it. You know, I get it. And, and that's why I'm concerned. You know, the, the Fed has killed the dollar. It's almost over. And now, you know, the, this could change everything, this action. You know, replacing money. It will affect everything. Because once the entire U.S. financial system is federalized, every dollar you own could be under federal control. And it would trigger the most paradigm-smashing, error-defining, societal-shifting act of creative destruction in economic history. So if you're a profit-motivated person, you need to be positioned. You really do. And I'm not going to give you financial advice, but I'm telling you right now, the Fed is out to kill the U.S. dollar as the fiat currency, the paper currency. So get ready for the federal chairman Powell to hit the start button sometime in July. 
and then there'll be a stampede, like a herd of elephants into every company favorably impacted, because some companies will make out with this, you know, but not, not you, not the individual. And it's time to like take all these things pretty seriously, but they have us like it's whack-a-mole, right? Every time I think I'm, you know, focusing on the most pressing issue of the day, bada-bing, something else pops up and then I got to go focus on that. And then I start to focus on that and bada-bing, something else keeps popping up. And it's just so frustrating. And I know, I know, you're, you're, watching the news and you're listening to like, oh, you know, should they have thrown out the representatives in the state house in Tennessee for leading a protest? You know, they, take your eyes off the shiny things, okay? And start looking at what's happening underneath because while they keep us busy looking at these relatively stupid and unimportant news stories, China is... Uh, is telling us they're they're ready for war, <laughs> you know. Uh, artificial intelligence is taking over. What are we going to do, you know? And and that's 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 a really s strong concern of mine. So Beijing is ready to fight. Their their state TV which is pretty much, does anybody believe we don't have state TV? Because I think it's pretty much state TV at this point, the majority of the media. Chinese state TV has shown a video of a simulated full-scale attack on Taiwan. After three days of these military exercises around the island, which it, of course, regards as part of its territory, then they release a video on the news program, right? Right? showing warships and planes circling Taiwan, and then like this animated sequence showing missiles raining down on Taiwan. Fired from planes, large explosions as they smashed to the earth. Ah, okay. That's what China wants you to understand is going to happen because they watched uh, President Tsai Ing-wen, the, the female president who they have no respect for, come over here and meet with uh, Kevin McCarthy in California. And so they issued a statement, the troops in the theater are ready to fight all the time and can fight at any time, resolutely crushing any form of Taiwan independence, separatism, and foreign interference. And the exercise this time had a lot more air strength, 200 flights by Chinese warplanes. And likely some of those jets have come from the aircraft carrier, which is currently deployed about 200 miles from Taiwan. So I don't know about the rest of you, but I need a leader who scares the pants off of uh, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin. That's what I need. And hopefully that's what I'll get. I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And safeguard your stuff because the government might be coming for it. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. 
The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.